Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Hello, Internet, and welcome to the inaugural edition of Table Reads, the podcast where we take scripts that have never been filmed and read them so that you might experience the joy of terrible writing that Hollywood has tried to deny you. Your hosts on this tour of unproduced dreck are Sean McBee and me, Trevor Thompson, who have written enough terrible nonsense together and apart that it should keep this show running forever. So, Trevor and I, as... uh stated in that introduction, have been writing together for a very, very long time. How long, Trevor? Oh, well, let's just put it this way. This episode this is probably the first thing we ever wrote together, and I believe we were 15 when we wrote this. We were 15, and, and how old are we now? We're so old that Trevor had to I think do it, that intro four times because yes. he couldn't see it. Yes, I couldn't see it on this tiny little phone. Um, I, we're so old that we remember when phones actually worked as phones, um, and not everything else. And, uh, as a plethora of, of newfound technology. So, and we are 36 now. So that would mean we've been writing. Well, we haven't been writing. I'm sure there's been a, a few years where we didn't write together, but off and on for 21 years. Yes. So what we're reading today, today is the first thing we ever wrote together. Yes. And God, is it awful. Yes, it's, um, well, if, uh, if you're not familiar with the popular Highlander series, it's about a guy who's immortal from the Highlands of Scotland. And he's a part of a, of a race, quote unquote, of, of, immortals. of immortals who, um, have to battle for knowledge of the world and everything like that. And they sense each other. And when they sense each other, they pull out swords and fight and fight to the death. And whoever wins gains all of that immortals, knowledge and powers and understanding, blah, blah, blah. Until at one point, a thing called the quickening will come. The gathering, the gathering. I'm sorry. The quickening is what they get when they get all their information. Is that correct? Did I get that wrong? Yeah. Here, here, I'll, I'll break it down. The immortals, Exist for reasons that we don't know. That's correct. Yeah. And. But they. They try. And the only way to kill an immortal is to cut off his head. <clears throat> yeah. That's, and that's the thing when you say. cut off another immortal's head, you gain their power and knowledge uh, through a process called the quickening. Now, when there are only a few immortals left, they'll feel an irresistible pull toward a faraway land. And that's called the gathering. And upon the gathering, the few who remain will battle to the last because there can be only one. And that's what they all say when they win, you know, and they take the head of another immortal. They say there can be only one and then they get, you know, that's the yes, big and, and the ultimate goal is to win the prize. And that the reason for that, ladies and gentlemen, again, <laughs> we're going to close the door on all these, the unenlightened and people that don't know about Highlander. But that's the that's the real beef of it is the fact that all this happens in the first movie. You learn all this stuff. Connor McCloud, played by Christopher Lambert, uh, is the is the is the one. He's the only one, and uh, he's like Tigger in that way. Um, he and he gets the prize. End of movie. There should be the the quickening. I'm sorry. The gathering has happened. It happens in the first movie. And then they have to do all this stuff in the second one and where they find out they're aliens. And Well, see, in the second one, they at least acknowledge that he got the prize. 
That's a good point. Yes, because in the that's third the one, one good thing that that movie did was it actually picked up where that movie left off and it moved forward. Correct. Because the other ones um, didn't because do that. he had grown old. He was allowed to grow old because he had the prize and he had these powers where he could help scientists. He could he knew like what everyone on the planet was thinking and yeah. he coordinated scientists and he saved the world from the bad environment or something. And, he had, and then he gained because all this, this movie decided that the immortals came from another planet. Yeah. Other immortals came from that planet and restarted the cycle and blah, blah, blah. So that's what the renegade version was, was to cut some of that crappier stuff out. Yes. But do you remember where they came from instead of another planet? Um, that I don't remember what they made the change to. No. The past. They come from the past. Well, that's yeah, like, I guess a really, really far past. But that's better. I mean, even Star is Wars. It? Yeah, even Star Wars is like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Doesn't it never says where or when. Anyway, so then the third movie brings in a guy who uh, called Kane, played by Mario Van Peebles. I don't know if you remember that. Mario Van Peebles. Um, I know. Well, I mean, I love. I like him, but who I love is his fucking dad. Yes, but we're not talking about that. Don't get off topic. Yeah, sweet, sweet backs, badass song. So yeah, and in that so, one, in that one, the whole conceit was that it took place. I think it was they made it in the mid nineties, and he was Mario Van Peebles' character was stuck in a cave when the gathering happened. So he yeah, he'd been buried under a mountain. Right. So he couldn't come fight. You know, the last I always thought it'd be funny, like if you could see him during the first movie, is he just like running into walls like like a bug to a fucking like a mosquito? Like like he keeps feeling the urge, but he can't go anywhere. So he keeps hitting the wall. As humorous as that is, I, I feel like it was more like a guy who really, really needed a cigarette. Yeah. But couldn't leave his desk. He's just Jones. And so, the, yeah, so we've established where Highlander was in the world when we wrote what we called Highlander, the immortal battle continues. And uh, one note that we will need to address uh, first is that uh, another Highlander aspect is that in the first film, Connor McLeod, the main character, that's his birth name that he received uh, when he was born in 1518 in the village of, Glenn Finnan on the shores of Lock Shield. Um, no doubt and, a line of dialogue that Sean has committed to memory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but in modern times, in 1985, 86, he, uh, he goes by the name Russell Nash because you can't just yeah. keep the same fucking name for 400 years. Which is something they cover very well in the story points in, in the first movie, actually. Yes, but which we just wrote assuming that everybody fucking knew that. Which leads me to my next point, which is that typically on this show, Trevor and I are going to go into these scripts cold. We're not going to read them in advance. Yeah. Uh, We're not going to work out jokes to mock them in advance or anything. Uh, Some things, you know. Believe me, the jokes will come. These are are things that either we wrote so we have some memory of them or, you know, some other scripts – that uh, we read years and years and years ago uh, that weren't by us. <clears throat> anyway, so normally we'll be going into these things relatively cold, but in this particular case, while Trevor is going in cold, having not read this probably in 21 years, 
Um, Which, by the way, is too early. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I should note that being our first thing that we've written together, uh, we hadn't, I think, even seen a script at this point. So we had no idea what we were doing. So our scene headings are just scene one. Yeah. Scene two with no description of where you are, what's going on or anything until you, you know, read through it. I can't believe you fucking transcribed all this fucking. (laughs) And here's, here's the most asinine part of how we wrote this. We felt that we didn't feel like writing out people's fucking names. Well, yeah, it was a lot to write after all this, the shit that we got wrong in the directions. Yes. Well, so except for dialogue, Every time in our original script a character is mentioned, their name is abbreviated to a single letter. So, <laughs> and there's a key to abbreviations. It's the first thing in the script. It's script for Highlander the Immortal. It says script for. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the first page begins script for Highlander the Immortal Battle <laughs> <laughs> Written by in Sean McKee and Trevor forgot. Thompson. and then key to abbreviations c equals connor mcleod slash russell nash m (laughs) equals montgomery everett slash john black what do you do if more than one character has the name with the same letter we didn't worry about that because i guess we just (laughs) decided that everybody would have a different letter of the alphabet now how are we going to do this who reads the directions and do we go scene by scene deciding who's going to play which character or what well, I think we should go, at least for the main characters, with uh, yeah, you're Connor. who we were going to play when we filmed it. Yeah, you're going to be Connor because, you know, you, you're a dead ringer for Christopher Lambert. <laughs> Especially when you were 15. <laughs> uh, and I'll be Montgomery Everett. Yes. Um, and in what I transcribed into a, a readable version of the script... Uh, there's not actually a lot of Montgomery Everett, so you'll have to be, I guess, most everybody else. Yeah, okay. Um, and there's not a lot of directions. And who's reading directions, you or me? Uh, your preference. You I'll do me. it. Okay. There's uh, not a lot, though. All right, yeah. So uh, for the first 14 scenes, I've managed to transcribe this. Uh, so that far into the script, I'm up on Trevor. Once we hit scene 15, which in the original uh, typed pages, by the way, switches from being printed out to being typed on a fucking typewriter. Um, once we hit that point. Not on a typewriter. It was on a computer. No, dude. No. We typed the first 14 scenes and the heading for scene 15 on a computer and printed oh, it. Oh, shit. It but is. beyond that. I'm looking at the, draw- at the, the pictures now. Yeah, if if you Where look, the fuck did we get a typewriter? I don't know, but it's not a font; it's a typewriter because I I can see it goes on, off the uh, page on the second page you have there. Um, Dude, we need to put this up. There's the word "office" has been typed, like indented into the thing at one point and erased. <laughs> I want to know where the fuck we got a typewriter. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I remember having a typewriter. And what's worse is that 
It th- <laughs> what's worse is that it occurs to me that the only place we could have had a typewriter is at school. So it's like, what do we do at school? We fucking got to type out our awful script. <laughs> I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not waste any more of our time and the audience's time. Let's, let's start. Uh, and God bless you, Sean, because fucking Sean went, you know, to the, to the, painstaking detail of taking all this stuff and writing writing it out into a script into final cut or final draft and i don't know how you did it and stayed awake but it's obviously a labor of love <laughs> oh there's another thing i want to mention about my uh transcription okay i did not want to at all improve what we wrote i just wanted it to be clear so that we could read it yeah so every parenthetical every punctuation every misspelling every instance where i fucking did what is now my biggest pet peeve and used the wrong your (laughs) is in there (laughs) yeah you know what i think for the most part you were you were writing it and i was kind of sitting next to you like I don't think we were I don't think we were at the point where we were trading stuff off yet. No, there's there's definitely stuff that I wrote. There, there's one point in here where there's two versions of the, a single scene. A scene repeats. The first version I can tell was written by you, and the second version was written by me. Okay. But here's how here's how fastidious I was about. Uh, you know he's a writer, Keeping folks, this true. A, by the way, that's how you know he's a writer is because he uses the word fastidious in polite it, conversation. Dude, I counted ellipses. I was like, how many fucking periods is that? <laughs> six. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. You made, all right, so you made sure it was original intent all the way. 100%. Except I, I didn't include script for on the title page. And also, yeah, yeah. And also things like exterior alley night. We didn't know that kind of script grammar back right. then. That's that's just so that as we read this out, we can paint a picture for the readers better until yeah. we get beyond where I've transcribed. So now, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. First episode of Table Reads, and it's our own first script that Sean and I ever wrote. Highlander, the immortal battle continues. Exterior alley night. We're just outside of Kirstie Alley. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh man, I already, I already fucked up. What'd you do? Uh, that first line, there's a typo. It's uh, it's in shadows. The okay. original doesn't say on shadows. Oh, okay. Exterior alley night. Montgomery Everett, who, by the way, is my character and who is also, let's be fair, what would have been the villain if the script ever got finished. Montgomery Everett is on is in shadows walking through dark a dark alley at night. No, so, don't say a dark alley. It's oh, dark alley. Okay, sorry. I I wrote it in that jilted format, like okay, like a fucking malfunctioning robot. So we have to do this the way that fifteen uh, year old Trevor and Sean would have done it. Or well, no, no. When you write directions, you write them in full sentences. I just thought it was supposed to be choppy like that for some reason. Like get the point across. Oh, okay. That's what you thought it was supposed to be back then. Yeah. Montgomery Everett is in shadows, walking through dark alley at night. Got it. Got it. Okay. Montgomery Everett is in shadows, walking through dark alley at night. Two men appear out of the shadows, approach Montgomery, and man one holds a knife 
in capitals, <laughs> a knife to Montgomery's throat. Well, well, that's proper scripting right there. Actually. When there's a new prop or character. All right, so you fixed it. Good for you. Be man one and yell. Because that's what Man one, yelling. yelling. Hand over the greens, Grandpa, or, you got, or else you get a new mouth where your throat used to be. Sean wrote that line. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's so bad. And I was proud of it for years. No, you weren't. It was. You were like, not oh, proud so of that. Good. Did you <laughs> did you like did you have it written down on little pieces of paper and be like, look, I wrote that. See that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm Montgomery. Calmly after a pause. I think not. See, not that ain't what my bleed says, old man. Montgomery then brings into view a broadsword and kills man one. Then, in a panic, man two pulls out a gun and empties it into Montgomery. Kneeling over dead man. Uh, kneeling over dead man one. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, because man two is apparently a teenage girl who <laughs> got a pony for her birthday. Montgomery then gets up, unnoticed by Man 2, walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder. <laughs> he taps him on the shoulder. Like a, like a vaudeville act. <laughs> this is supposed to be all fucking menacing and scary, and he's tapping This is menacing and scary. <laughs> it's very scary. I give you that. <laughs> <laughs> man two walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder. Man two turns around. Montgomery. <laughs> it seems I'm reading this for the first time. Oh my god. It seems I don't want to say it, it's so douchey. <laughs> it seems you underestimated your opponent and now you're going to die. This is video game dialogue. <laughs> it really does hurt. Okay. Can we actually read this? Can we read this like a real scene? Can we actually read this? You have no idea how how not far we are. <laughs> Can we read it like a real scene? Yeah, go ahead. Mon- Montgomery Everett. Exterior alley night. Montgomery Everett is in shadows walking through dark alley at night. Two men appear out of the shadows, approach Montgomery, and man one holds a knife to Montgomery's throat. Hand over the greens, Grandpa, or else you get a new mouth where your throat used to be. I think not. That ain't what my blade says, old man. Montgomery then brings into view a broadsword and kills man one. Then, in a panic, man two pulls out a gun and empties it into Montgomery. Kneeling over dead man one. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Montgomery then gets up, unnoticed by man two, walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder. Man two turns around. It seems you've underestimated your opponent and now you're going to die Montgomery then cuts off man number two's head blood splatters on wall cut to black <laughs> Islander two the immortal battle continues Ex- no, we didn't even think to put in a, a title there that's where you would put it absolutely but absolutely it's, but it's not there it comes way later <laughs> it comes like in the middle of a car chase <laughs> 
how great would that be if a fucking movie did that? They just, bring, they just put the title. 47 like, minutes into the movie, <laughs> in the middle of a car chase, black. All right. Uh, exterior alley morning. You go right back to the same alley. Police investigate crime scene from scene one. I like how that's in parentheses. So in case we forgot. <laughs> Frank Brogman. You know, I think that. I think that we couldn't understand the character's name when we watched the first movie and we just did the best we could. <laughs> I literally think that's what I happened. don't think his name was Brogman either, but it sounds, but I remember his first name was definitely Frank. Yeah. Frank Brogman, which is not a real name, <laughs> walks in from off camera, which is a weird. Frank, it was Frank Moran. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Maybe that's what we thought. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it was. I think we just didn't hear it right because we were watching <laughs> it on VHS. So this is supposed to be the same exact guy from the first one? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Police. I'll, I'll, I'll play Diane, by the way. All right. Police investigate crime scene from scene one. Remember that? <laughs> Frank Brogman or Frank Morgan walks in from off camera, wiping mouth with sleeve of his jacket. Then eating two breath savers, Diane Stokes walks up to him. Well, Frank, what we've got here is one guy decapitated, one guy with a slash going halfway through his torso. Come on, Stokes, my stomach's weak enough from seeing it. I don't need you describing it in detail. I love what we consider detail at that time. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> vague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Frank. Anyway, the weird part is, we've got about nine nine 9mm shell casings laying here, and no slugs anywhere, which means we had someone take nine slugs and walk away as if it were nothing. Which is, of course, the only conclusion you can reach from that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we've got about nine nine 9mm casings laying here, and no slugs anywhere, which means... A bunch of shit, but I'm going to go with the weirdest option possible. We uh, we ruled out aliens a moment ago. <laughs> and, he, and he's just like, and by the way, she just told him that immortals are real. And he's like, has it made a time of death? He's like, I've seen this, like, I've seen this shit before. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the, the guy with the jumper theory in, in uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah, except like a, like a big fucking guy. <laughs> Space is big, really big. Anyway, uh, estimated time so, of death about two a.m. Frank pointing to victims. What do you think made those cuts? Which no is, question. Which, by mark. the way, is God, a question mark. Yeah, it's a question. So mad. But you know what? It kind of does speak to the very amateur thing of trying to make the actor say something in a certain way. You could, you could argue that that was a, not a, what do you think made those cuts? A more of a, what do you think made those cuts? Like it's a statement. Okay. I could think we might think that when we were dumb. Yes. I'm very good at thinking for dumb people on their behalf. Well, the cuts were made by something very sharp. I would have to say nothing less than a high-quality sword could have made those cuts. Nothing less. By the way, um, this this dialogue sounds a lot like the dialogue from the first movie without any of the worldly experience it takes to write that kind of dialogue. (laughs) It's just like, make it sound like that, but not at all real. Like. 
and it's not at all real. The dialogue in the original is very fan. Is, what's happening is very fanciful, but the dialogue makes it seem real, which we didn't understand yet. Reminds me of a certain antiques dealer. Nash? No, bitch, the other one. Yes. That's not what he said. We weren't that funny. All right. Uh, so she says Nash, and then Frank, who is me, says, yep. <laughs> What say we find out where Mr. Nash was about two o'clock last night? Yeah, I like how he just these. By the way, if policemen were this good at their jobs, like this is be, good. Yeah, because look how quickly they came to the right conclusion. No, 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 no. The guy's like, hey, remember a couple of years ago, some guy was nearby when someone's head was cut off. And we never stuck anything to him, and he got away. And now there's another guy with his head cut off. I bet it's that guy. Yeah, but the thing is, it is that guy. Because that's the thing. The guy who cut his head off is a friend of Nash. So they're already on the right track. That's what I'm saying. They said a few things to each other, and already they're on the right track. Do you know how long it takes to get on, even on the right track as a fucking... <laughs> it's just ridiculous. They're, they're good at their jobs. I mean, we're bad at our... We're bad at writing, but <laughs> in this world, <laughs> they're good at their jobs. <laughs> Which is why it's a bad script, because cops in movies are terrible at their jobs. Especially in Highlander movies. Oh, God, yes. Do you remember, you remember the hot dog vendor? The, the, the cops are like eating the hot dogs and the hot dog vendor is there with the newspaper. Oh, He's that's like, right. Hey, Fr- hey, Frank, what does baffled mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they're getting, they're, they get sources from really weird places. <laughs> Interior, Nash Antiques, which I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to assume, you know, that about the movie and you just put that in when we were writing it. Cause I never noticed that it was called Nash Antiques. Yeah, I think it's Nash Antiques. Or did you just call it Nash Antiques? No, I think it's called Nash Antiques. Okay. Connor McLeod, a.k.a. Russell Nash, unlocks his front door, walks in, and throws his coat on the arm of the couch. He then walks across the room and checks his messages. I'm going to do the voice of the answering machine, because apparently in this script, the answering machine is a character. <laughs> we were we were gonna get Michael Winslow to play the fucking voices of the answering machine, but the, since the answering machine's uh, abbreviation was AM. <laughs> oh, which answers your question because we already have an A. There you go. See, you don't want to confuse the character of the A character and the answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that our in our first script, furniture is a character. <laughs> All right, here we go. You have three messages. Beep. Uh, yeah, Mr. Nash. Uh, this is Graham Woodruff from the New York Metropolitan Bank. Uh, concerning your great-great-grandfather's savings account. Uh, yeah. Backstory, backstory, exposition. Please call... <laughs> No, no, come on. This is good. We're, we're, we're establishing okay, it, where he gets his money. Is this good, really? This is good? Okay. Please call me back at 555-2761, extension 313. Thank you. Beep. Oh, is that his, is that, that his kid? Is that what it, no, no. This is his ex-wife. We decided that between the first movie and our movie, 
<clears throat> he gets married and gets divorced and has a child. Or that stuff from Highlander 3 that I have forgotten about. Oh, okay. So is that supposed to be a girl? Yes. Okay. Hi, it's me, Alex. Listen, now that our divorce is final, I want you to think about turning complete custody of John over to me. I I think it's best for him, considering... Connor pushes skip button on answering machine. Uh, uh, I, I think I have the wrong number. Sorry. <laughs> Beep. That was your last message. Connor turns on the TV, picks up the phone, and dials a number. Mr. Woodruff? <laughs> I love your Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Please talk like that the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna do my my Mr. my, my Mr. best <laughs> lusty. Haven't done his voice in like 20 years. Christopher Lambert impersonation this whole time. Wait, here's how you can get there. Here's how you can get there. I'll ask you a question and you Lots answer. Lots of different places. I'm gonna ask you a question and you answer. Are you a faggot, Nash? Why, Garfield? You cruising for a piece of ass? You know what? Massage it a little bit more. Why, Garfield? Are you cruising for a piece of ass? Mr. Woodruff, this is Russell Nash about, yeah, that's the one. Well, I'm his only living. Okay, see, by the way, remember, Christopher Lambert did not speak a word of English when he filmed this movie. And it shows. Like, they were just wait, feeding no, him his lines phonetically. Wait, and he didn't was he like, do, wait, wasn't it, Le, Le, not Ladernier combat but wasn't there a, a Luke Basson movie that he did where he was the only one who taxi yeah where he overdubbed himself he was the only one that overdubbed himself in English yeah they even did his laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was the only one that actually overdubbed his own character so he spoke yeah. he spoke a little bit of English but yeah it's it's vague oh so uh I just looked up Highlander 3 while we're doing this and Deborah Kara Unger, I guess, was his wife in Highlander 3. Also, she played... Uh, she played... Silence. Sarah? It says she's Alex Johnson slash Sarah. <laughs> so I think in Highlander 3, which I haven't seen, like, literally the last time I watched that was when we skipped school to go watch it in What if there was a character... <laughs> there was a character whose name wasn't Sarah, but her name was... Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess if I'm remembering vaguely correctly from this jogging my memory, um, she was, his wife in the present day looked exactly like a woman from his past that he was romantically entangled with. And she played both those characters. And... And he does have a son. There's a John McLeod in the credits. So in Highlander three. So I thought when I was transcribing this, I thought we just decided to give him a fucking wife and shit. That's fucked up. Yeah, we actually. But so we were like, just picking up after Highlander three when actually I I actually thought that we all this time I thought that we wrote yeah. this as an apology for Highlander two and three and that it was supposed to supersede both of those. Oh, it's and lit- just pick up after the first one. Yeah. But 
later in the script, we actually mentioned Kane, Mario Van Peebles' character. Anyway, I believe you were saying as Connor. I was saying, uh, well, I'll just start from the beginning. Mr. Woodruff, it's terrible. <laughs> it's not terrible, this, though. This is Russell Nash about, yeah, that's the one. Well, I'm his only living descendant, then. <laughs> I want to know what he said. <laughs> yeah, Russell Nash, if you could just transfer his account into mine, that would do fine. That would do just fine. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hangs up. Why is there an apostrophe and then an uppercase B for bye? <laughs> like, goodbye is not move on. cut off there. There's a knock in capital letters. <laughs> There's a knock at the door, and Connor gets up and answers it. Uh, Mr. Nash, I'm Lieutenant Frank Brogman. Well, that's what we thought the name was anyway. Uh, what was it? Is it Morgan? <laughs> Should I just say Brogman? I'll just say Just Brogman. say Brogman. That's what we wrote. Mr. Nash, I'm Lieutenant Frank Brogman. That's what we wrote of the NYPD. Uh, there have been some murders we think you might be connected to, and we'd like to ask you a few questions. Mind coming with us? <sighs> Let me get my coat. Uh, yeah, it, it appears that uh, I was inside when that happened. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing outside voice. <laughs> uh, interior interrogation room day. Connor Frank and Ted Jameson, <laughs> attorney at law, walk into interrogation room. Ted Jameson. Who is he? Do we explain who he is ever? Is he from one of the other movies? I think he has one line in this scene. I think it, he's another cop. Is he like one? Like, did we name him or is he from one of the movies? I think we named him. I I think he's like our version of the blowjob guy. <laughs> okay. All right, Frank, gesturing. Have a seat. Connor sits down. The cold yet skeptical look on his face remaining unchanged. I like how it's cold yet skeptical. You mind telling us where you were about two o'clock last night? I don't suppose I could have been asleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. Look, Nash, we're not looking for any of your smart-ass remarks. Just answers. I went to sleep about 12.30 last night and didn't wake up till about quarter till 11 this morning. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have anyone you can... I love your voice, dude. <laughs> do you have anyone who can back up your story, Nash? What the hell is this all about? I'll ask the questions. <laughs> and you'll answer this one. What the hell is this all about? Well, since I'm on the defense now. <laughs> he was all tough. <laughs> Connor's like, can you answer this? <laughs> This is so bad. I thought this podcast would go quickly. <laughs> no, we got to savor the flavor. <laughs> oh well, we had two people murdered last night with a sword. One of them was decapitated. And where there's a decapitation, you're usually not very far behind. Sounds like you've already got me convicted. Yeah, why does that scene need to go on? Okay. <laughs> That's the end of the scene. Interior interrogation room, exterior battle. What? Continue. Oh, okay, it I get it. Back and forth. Oh, okay. No words, only powerful music. 
at by first, Michael Kamen, of course. Of course. At first, this scene goes back and forth between an unheard police interrogation and Montgomery Everett fighting an un, unnamed immortal. It then shows the end of the immortal's battle, <laughs> which didn't continue. <laughs> <laughs> Montgomery receive, receiving the quickening. Interior, the interior. Okay, so it cuts back and forth. Then. Continuing the police interrogation. Okay, Nash. It looks like we're going to have to hold you on suspicion, especially since you don't have anyone to back up your alibi. Well, it seems to me that you have about as much evidence on me as you do on the other three million people in New York, which totals zero. So I'll be going now. Ted Jameson. Not so fast, Nash. Are you arresting me? No one says anything, so Connor continues to the door. Hell, he's right. We got nothing on him. (laughs) 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 We got nothing on him, but let's bring him down here and interrogate him and see if he just... Just on the off chance he... (laughs) Confesses. He, he confesses some shit because he's scared of yelling people. <laughs> so yeah, that's Ted Jameson's big contribution. <laughs> Not so fast, Nash. I want, I want. And then stands there, fucking. Oh my god, we pointless. need, we need to write more shit for Ted Jameson. <laughs> Exterior Nash Antiques night. Connor approaches his front door and senses an immortal. Not having his sword handy, handy. <laughs> He grabs the first thing available to protect himself, a steel pipe. He he cautiously enters the apartment with, with pipe ready. He then sees the immortal is Isabel Marquette, which was a name I remember you were proud of. And now it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, also, I think her name's supposed to be Isabella. Did I get that wrong? I did get that wrong. It should be Isabella. Uh, it's Isabella Marquette. Okay, that's right. I- Isabella Marquette. <clears throat> She's standing in the middle of the room in the dark. Can I can I just say uh, the reason he doesn't have his sword handy is not because he just came from the police station. It is because we decided together, you and I, and agreed on this that any immortal, any Highlander movie worth its salt had to have a scene where he fights with a pipe. Why did we come to that conclusion? Because there was, we said if we were to talk about any Highlander movie being worth its salt, you only have one example. And in that movie, he fights with a pipe. Yes, at one scene. But in all the other scenes, he fights with a sword because that's what he's supposed to do. But it was a good scene. Remember, he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah. He's like, nice to see you, Highlander. He's like, nice to see you to kink. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got to give you that. Any scene with a pipe is good. But we didn't use the pipe the way it was supposed to be used in this scene. No, he just turns around and he's like, I've I've got a pipe. (laughs) Her line's, hello, Connor. What if it was, hello, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to see (laughs) All right. So so what if this movie is just, (laughs) we're just copying all the scenes from the original Highlander, but just doing them wrong? (laughs) Like the complete in reverse. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, you're right. Okay, so... Uh, Isabella's line. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, he then sees the immortal is Isabella Marquette. She's standing in the middle of the room in the dark. Hello, Connor. At this, Connor's arms go limp and he drops the pipe. It'd be funny if he dropped on his foot. They embrace in a hug. Camera does a nifty little rotating shot. <laughs> <laughs> not only are you not supposed to put camera directions in there, but if you do, you don't say it does a nifty little anything. Cameras don't do nifty little things. 
Cam- I clearly wrote that. Clearly. Camera does a nifty little rotating shot and lands on Connor's back till all is dark. Okay. That means that the camera goes, you know, into his back, right? Yes. That's not how you word that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, remember, the name of that scene was Scene 4. Oh, Jesus. No, it was Scene 7. Exterior Woods Day flashback. Note to be drastically lengthened. Yes, that was written by hand. Okay. Scene eight slash FB. So this scene, is circled and then to be drastically lengthened is written. This scene needs to be way longer, apparently. This is the one that we have two versions of. So this is 8A. This is the version that you wrote. I wrote the short one. The other one, I don't think is much longer. It's just different. Okay. Pan off Connor's back, which you don't do, by the way. He is going through the woods, tired and weary after a long journey. Sensing an immortal, he gets his sword ready. (laughs) Good for you, Connor. And sees a young woman, Isabella, chopping firewood. Oh, you told me about this scene over the phone. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Calmly, still chopping the wood. If you're here for my head, just do it and get it over with. Connor, in a Scottish accent. Are you ready? It's so defeatist. <laughs> it's just so fucking. I'm an immortal. It's 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 you know what it is? It's borderline misogynist, actually. Anyway. Hey, it was different times, man. It was the nineties. Yeah, um, women are smart now. <laughs> Connor in a Scottish accent. No, dear lady. I'm not here for your head. I was just looking for a place where I could rest up for the night. <laughs> Well, if you'd like, is she still back to him? Probably not. (laughs) She turned around to face him now because she's got a lot to say. Well, if you'd like, I've got a cabin just over the hill and I wouldn't mind someone to talk to. You live there alone? Yes, my husband just died about two years ago. Just died about two years ago. (laughs) And also, I have no concept of time. (laughs) Even though I'm an immortal. Even though I'm an immortal. Which makes it feel like I'm... I don't know. Uh, I can't deal with this anymore. (laughs) Do you know how to use a sword? Uh, not as such, no. Well, if you'd be so inclined, I could teach you. Twould be a shame if such a lovely body were to look you. Oh, God. I can't do it. (laughs) Twould be a shame if such a lovely body were to lose so beautiful a crown. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what she should have said. (laughs) Oh, fuck this. Just kill me. Cut my goddamn head off, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Start by <laughs> cut your own head off, you fucking douche. <laughs> That's what she should say. All right. Uh, you would do that? <laughs> wow, you're an ass. <laughs> you would do that? Well, if you should, in return, I shall give you room and board. For as long as you should require it. That means forever. <laughs> that means forever. When are you not going to need room and board? <laughs> this is the worst script ever. 
bad. <laughs> so bad. Lord alone uh, first we wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst part about it. <laughs> you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> we could be reading this going, it holds up. It could be worse. Our nose could be gushing blood. Oh, my God, dude. This is... Why did I let you... <laughs> <laughs> I let you cock me into this. This is such a bad idea. Let's keep doing it though. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay. Hang on a second. Okay. I'm hanging on a sec. What? Sorry, man. Oh, okay. When you get the douche chills like 12 times in the last 20 minutes, my my whole tongue just goes dry, and I have no moisture in my mouth. Okay. So. Oh my god. <laughs> you have a deal, my lady. By the way, extending hand for a shake. Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Shaking Connor's hand. Isabella Marquette. Call me Belle. Oh, here's uh, the worst part. Jesus. Oh, wow. We have a... Holy shit. Thank you, Rocky 3. We have a training montage. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Oh, hey. I, I have to take a brief detour. Okay. Did you know there's a new Rocky movie, but it's not Rocky. It's called Creed, and it's about Rocky training Creed's son. Holy shit, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, what is this boxer movie that I'm watching? And then suddenly there's fucking Sly Stallone. I was like, what? When did it come out? I don't know. I saw a trailer for it the other day. So, like, Rocky is Mickey now, and Michael B. Jordan is playing Creed's son. Dude, that's fucking awesome. I know, right? That's really awesome. I yeah. love that. I had no idea it was even happening, and I just saw a trailer for it. Wow, you've given me a glimmer of hope, and now we're going back to this awful script. Ugh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, we have a training montage a la Rocky III, um, and every other fucking movie ever that has a training montage in it. Yeah, but wait till you read it. Oh, God, go on. Okay. Start out with actual teaching. <laughs> it actually says that. R.E. Isabella messes up and Connor gives her tips like don't overextend. Oh, you actually wrote dialogue in the directions. Don't overextend your thrust. It leaves you vulnerable and off balance, which is word for word what fucking Connery said in the first one. Yes, it is. Uh, Remember, always remain calm. Once you lose your temper, your head comes off. That's also another line from the. Yes, it is. He's a he's not a good teacher. He's just like, this is how I was taught. Yeah, and I've learned nothing since then. <laughs> After that, show them practice fighting. <laughs> Just <laughs> show them. You know what? <laughs> if you're going in this direction, <laughs> show them practice fight. Show a series of shots also while you're at it. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Show a series of shots with Connor's sword at Isabella's neck, and in each shot, Connor smiles and says, it seems I've taken your head. So he does that every time. Word. That's the only thing he can think to say. <laughs> then have one shot. <laughs> so sounds like John Peters, like telling someone about the movie. <laughs> and then have one shot with El- Isabella's sword at Connor's neck. It seems I've taken your head. <laughs> she should have just said, well, excuse me. God damn it. Then is a... Then Isabella and Connor's eyes lock. They lower their swords, and then they very slowly peck and then kiss. Because that's what Sean thinks love is. No, you wrote that, Trevor. That's what I think Sean thinks love is. Um, 
do we read the other version of that? Yeah. Oh, it's right after here. Okay, here it is. Yeah, yeah. How about I read the directions on this one? See. Go for it. And you know what? You be Isabella and I'll be Connor. Okay. Pan off Connor's back. He's going through the woods, tired and weary after a long journey. Now, this is the one you wrote, right? Yes. Sensing an immortal, he gets his sword ready and sees a young woman, Isabella, taking laundry off the line. Isabella, calmly, still doing the laundry. If you're here for my head, please just do it and get it over with. No, dear lady. <laughs> I sound like Ren. Oh, you thought it was better than mine. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sound. Like, I'm gonna do it like Ren. <laughs> no, dear lady, I'm not here for your head. I was just looking for a place where I could just rest for the night. Well, I wouldn't mind someone to talk to. Tell you what. Help me carry in this laundry and you can stay the night here. Deal? Can I do Connor as Paul Lind? <laughs> Sounds more than fair to me. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> Sorry. Sounds more than fair to me. By the way, extending hand for a shake, Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Shaking Connor's hand, Isabella Marquette. Call me Belle. So that it's settled, putting the laundry basket into Connor's arms. Here you go. <laughs> She's smarmier in your version. <laughs> Connor and Isabella walk through the front door of Cottage. <laughs> See, that's how you can tell I wrote it. Yeah, because you hate contractions. Is that what they are? Little, those little tiny No, words. they're uh, uh, articles. Articles, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, walk through the front door of Cottage. Just set it down. I'll take care of it. Isabella then carries laundry into next room. You'll leave here alone. What a creepy thing to say. I know, right? (laughs) And in that voice, too. You'll leave here alone. He's rubbing his palms together. (laughs) Yes, my husband just passed away about two years ago. I hate that line. (laughs) Some of the worst lines when I rewrote yours, I was like, I'm keeping that. (laughs) That stuff's good. Uh, Okay, keep going. Connor then notices a sword on display on the wall, and Isabella walks in from the other room. <laughs> it's, I'm reading the scene. I'm like going ahead of the scene. It's so. It's so. <laughs> that's a nice sword. <laughs> Thanks. Keep Thanks. It. it was my husband. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's penis. Okay. Please, please don't take offense at these questions, but <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. This Have is... you ever been to Cuba? <laughs> but earlier you, were, you weren't going to put up a fight for your head. Do you know how to use a sword? Uh, not as such, no. Well, if you'd be so inclined, I could teach you. Would be a shame if such a lovely body were to lose such a beautiful crown. How did you get through that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you would do that? Well, if you should, I shall give you room and board for as long as you should require it. You have a deal, milady. We'll start tomorrow. Shaking Connor's hand, Isabella Marquette, call me Belle, because we didn't already do that. Yeah, right. We did already do that. I know. I just, we? I thought. We did. Oh my God. She it's re- twice she in the same scene. She herself like a Riri. <laughs> <laughs> I get hit in the head a lot. 
starting tomorrow, you will. All right, so this part's new. Oh, no, no, no. That's the training montage from before. Yeah. And it's exactly the same. So let's just have a, We'll fast forward through it. Don't overextend your thrust. It leaves you vulnerable and off balance. Remember, always remain calm. Once you lose your temper, your head comes off. It seems I've taken your head. 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 <laughs> and then the pecking and the kissing. And then does it really say Connor's apartment? I guess in parentheses. No, that was that was me guessing at the heading because remember there oh, are no okay. scene headings. Oh, that's right. Okay, so it just says night. <laughs> it just says scene nine. <clears throat> Zim. Okay, interior Connor's apartment. Sean guesses night. Zoom out from Connor's eye to his face to his chest up. He sips his cappuccino and says, You can't imagine how wonderful it is seeing you after all this time. I've missed you tremendously. For all I knew, you had lost your head. Who, me? Not likely. (laughs) 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 Bad. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Ugh. (laughs) who me not likely not when you're the pupil of the world's finest teacher oh and you too (laughs) and the feeling is mutual how's that it's good to see you too connor i've missed you more than i could ever say it took what seemed like forever to find you but now with the internet this was way before the internet It took what seemed like forever to find you, but now, and I say this with no regrets, it was worth the wait. I avoided contact with immortals during the gathering because I knew I couldn't die without seeing you again first. What if he died, bitch? Belle, why did you leave? (laughs) When you went to London to visit Charles, something terrible happened. I just couldn't stand the pain. I'm, I'm sorry, Connor. My throat's tightening. <laughs> it says in the directions, throat tightens. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I never meant to hurt you. No! She has, she has the sniffles. It says sniffles. Just like that. That's how she would have yeah. done it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Connor. I never meant to hurt you. <laughs> the pain faded, Belle. It took a long time, but it faded nonetheless. Not a day went by that I didn't think about you. I missed you, of course, but I knew that I would see you again one day. What happened that was so terrible that you couldn't have told me about it? I would have understood, believe me. I was your husband. I cared for you more than I did for myself, and... Damn it, Connor. See, he's supposed to interrupt there. Say I was your servant, I was your husband. I was your husband. I cared for you more than I did for my Damn it, Connor! Stands up. Why are you making this so hard for me? (laughs) When you went to visit Charles, your friend Ashton Hales came to visit. (laughs) 
the fuck is Ashton Hales? <laughs> Why does she say his whole name? Your <laughs> <laughs> friend Ashton Williamson Hales the third was here. <laughs> he's he's A. He's okay. not the answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. When you went to visit, your friend Ashton Hales came to visit. Oh, Reggie. I, w- I welcomed him into our home and showed him great hospitality. He starts to cry. But he took the hospitality for granted and he, he raped me. Instead of a bitch, raped me. Because when you're 15, I guess. Oh, uh, girls get raped, right? Yeah, that's that's a bad thing for a girl to go that's, through. <laughs> that's that. Well, yeah, you know. Okay, we knew so that. We know we'll raped the girl. We knew women. We knew girls who had been raped. So we that was our how we could. That's happened, right? Sure. Yeah. Connor gets up and holds her with her crying into his shoulder. There is no actual expression on his face at all because <laughs> he just doesn't give a fuck. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, already, up with that he's like, I've heard this shit before, bitch. Always, always the crying with you. Oh, you got raped. God damn it. Every, couple, every time. Every couple hundred years, you somehow, someone fucking slips and falls on you. I don't know how it happens. Oh, he raped me, Diddy. I'm sorry, Belle, but I would have understood. Believe me, I. I know. Thank you for listening, Highlander. Bell, I'm really sorry, but I have an appointment I must keep. And, uh, Heather's birthday. You just told me you were raped. I I have an appointment. Yeah, I gotta go. I got. <laughs> I was raped. Listen, I have a thing. <laughs> totally bad time for you to tell me you were raped. I mean, there's all you know. I didn't have a thing the last thirty years, you know, but. Uh, he does. He does. He splits on her totally. <laughs> oh, Heather's birthday. I know. Go. I understand. I only got raped. Tell you what. When I get back, we'll go for a walk on the beach because they have those in New York. <laughs> yeah, we'll go down to Jersey. <laughs> Deal. Thanks, Belle. Listen, I want you to stay. Here for Pull as long yourself as you're to the wall. <laughs> oh, I, I I tried to leave that open for you, but you seem to not get it. I got it. I just didn't care earlier. Uh, listen, I want you to stay here for as long as you're in town, and I won't take no for an answer. No. <laughs> no. She goes. You can count on it because she's a fucking cliche spewing bag in a jizz. Fucking, you can count on it. I know we were fifteen, but really, who the fuck says that? Folks, you can find out who the fuck says that next week. <laughs> You're doing the Batman stay tuned fucking <laughs> cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, we ended on a question. You know what? That's true. We do. Who the fuck? Who the fuck would say that? Except if not, you know, a couple of 
first-time screenwriters at the age of 15. God. I mean, let's let's not don't let us ever forget, ladies and gentlemen. Sean McBee, the creator of this fine podcast, once wrote a line of dialogue that went thus: "Hand over Green's the greens, Grandpa. grandpa. Get a new throat where your mouth used." A new mouth for your throat used to be. You get a new mouth where your throat used to be. And you do have good lines. I remember one time you told me a a dream you had about being in a movie. With uh, Tim Roth. With Tim Roth, yeah. And you say to him, or somebody says to him, looking at him. He's in a prison yard. And uh, he's dressed in a suit because he is the gangster that's running this time-traveling mob from this prison. And uh, there's a... It was a dream. And some big inmate, a big, huge black guy working out in the yard, like starts fronting on him. And Tim Roth walks up to him with that little swagger he's got. Yeah. His head cocked over, just standing like all all his weight on his right hip. You know how he does. I do. And he looked up at the guy who was like a foot taller than him. And he stuck his index finger right in his face. And he said, it's just a jaw, you know. It comes off. See, that's a good line. That's a good line from my fucking subconscious. Yeah, so you're capable deep down of writing good dialogue, but you're not going to find any examples of that in the Immortal Battle. Highlander, the Immortal Battle continues. Spoilers. Um, But dude, keep watching Tim Roth movies because I tell you what, one of these days I'm going to find a way to get that motherfucker to say that line in a movie, and I'm not going to tell you. You're just going to go see a Tim Roth movie, and you're going <laughs> to shit your pants. Boom! <laughs> okay, well then, you know what? You heard it here, folks. Keep your eye on the Tim Roth movies. Eventually, he's going to look at somebody and say, either in an American accent or an English accent, it's just a jaw, you know, it comes off. Uh, and until then, just see us next week here on Table Reads, which I really feel should have a slogan but it doesn't at the moment. Ooh. Stay tuned next week when we'll give you a slogan for our show. (laughs) Yes. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Or not next week, but we'll see you the next time we do one of these goddamn things. Stay tuned for part two of Highlander. The Immortal Battle continues. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. (laughs) Fuck.